the Monday Rewind. Still going, Graham. It's all over. The referee has blown the full-time whistle. And the final whistle is gone. And Limerick have won. That's the way it goes. And um, I'm very proud of my guys. Very proud of the way they fought and blocked and tackled and hassled. And um, they didn't deserve to lose that one. You know, there was a lot of talking points in that game. I think, you know, when you dissect it over and over again, I think maybe... You know what I'm saying? Some decisions went with us, some decisions went against us. That's the beauty of hurling, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? It was moving fast, and at times in the second half, there, the pace was quite hot. There is no time! And Cavan have been beaten by a point! Martin Dunn's decision to put the ball over the bar has cost him in the end. What a game! 16 points to 15. That result now means that Cavan are out of the Ulster Championship going into the back door. Is it going to be hard to pick up the lads now for the back door system? No, I can't see it. Not on the back of that performance. Paul, is this the last time we're going to see you at Tony Park in a Munster jersey? Uh, it probably is. It probably is. I mean, um, I think uh, I said before, summer will be the time for fully making all those decisions. But uh, yeah, it's probably the last time I, I play for Munster here anyway. That's not what we said. You know, if the owners want me to go, I go. It's, it's as simple as that. But I still feel that I've got a lot to offer here. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk, and you can get us on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. In there, you heard from Clare manager Davy Fitzgerald speaking to Clare FM, Limerick boss TJ Ryan. As well as commentary from Live 95 FM's Liam Ahern, Limerick winning by a point in the end. More on that to come. Also in there, cabin boss Terry Highland on their defeat to Monaghan and Paul O'Connell on leaving Munster. Speaking of Reds, we also had Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers or should that be soon to be former Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers? Ex-club captain and assistant manager Phil Thompson hopes that is not going to be the case. Get on for retiring from our football club which has been like a circus for the last couple of weeks which has been very difficult and we've had the Raheem Sterling saga going on which has been unprecedented the two things together is that this drains energy in a different way Tomo wants him to stay more on all the rest of the weekend's big stories and what's to come this week as well with Tom Tierney who'll talk about Paul O'Connell and Munster's Pro 12 final which will be against Warriors this weekend in Belfast. At first, though, it's the championship and Clare's defeat to Limerick and Thurlis, 119-215, the final score. The analysis of ex-Limerick hurler Brian Geary to come. But first, here's score of three points for the Shannon Siders on his championship debut, 19-year-old Keane Lynch. Oh, sure, look, we, expect, we expected what was going to happen there today, coming down and playing Clare. Like, you know, you can expect nothing less from the game we got. You know, when it started off the way it finished, went down to the wire. And thank God they came out on the top. And we have a bigger battle now ahead again. Tipperary in the Gaelic Grounds. Henry Shefflin praised your performance when he was speaking at halftime. He said you were the only one out there kind of doing the flicks and tricks and finding space and getting scores. What did you think of your display? Ah, I was just lucky. Do you know, a few breaks came my way. And another day, the breaks would have went another person's way. Do you know, so it's just pot luck really. Sure. Thank God I came out on top, but sure, look, we'll have to keep moving on. What was the biggest surprise to you or what did you not expect out there? Because this was your first championship game. It didn't look it like it by your performance, which was very mature, but, but it was actually your championship debut. Uh, the kind of crowd, Joey, wouldn't expect to get that roar when you come out. And the uh, buzz, just a surreal feeling when you went down onto the pitch. But it's what you dream of. It's what you play hurling for, like, like days like today, playing the field of legends. And thank God we've another step further now to Munster final. How did you feel making the decision to take certain shots on? As we say, you got three points, so you made good decisions. <laughs> I don't know, I know, I put much thought into them, it's just pure luck, I'd say. But sure, look, you get the opportunity you have to take them, like. And one or two bruises to carry around as well. There's a few chat-up lines now for, the, <laughs> for a few weeks. And it's Tip next up in Limerick, and Tip is a team you have a good record against. Tip, yeah, geez, they'll bring their A game now, you know. We can't expect nothing less than 
110% by them so we'll have, we can't underestimate them Gaelic rounds doesn't make a difference eh? so we'll have to keep battling on and keep training hard now in the next few weeks and after today's performance you'll be a marked man but no doubt you're used to that you're used to kind of a lot of attention on the field yes, I, 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 I don't know if I am no but look we keep going and we keep the heads down and off the olive as well Brian Geary excellent recurler what a dramatic encounter what a dramatic win for the Shannon Siders yeah d- drama plenty there today as you said probably not the quality wasn't there you'd expect maybe of Munster Championship but all the heart was there and all the I suppose between sendings off and um, was the match blown up early and all this and that there's plenty to talk about but I, I suppose as a Limerick supporter first and foremost it's just good, good to get the win um, a lot of pressure on both managers and both squads coming into the match today and you can probably see it in the, in, in the hurling you know two, two teams set up quite, quite defensively you know and no real flow to the first half I suppose the just that sending off there to, at, the, at the end of the first half really got the supporters into it but you know all in all first um, quarter final of a Munster Championship Limerick will be more than happy to, to, to come over with a, with a win a lot to work on they'll have to improve no end to, to even think of beating Tipperary but I think the scope is there to improve I mean there's lads to come back all, all squads at this time of year will have a couple of injuries and, and Limerick aren't uh, have David Breen Kevin Downs with a couple more weeks under his belt you know what I mean? so they'll be looking to the positives as I said Anytime we beat Clare in a Munster Championship, we're always happy. Where did they need to improve? I mean, we could maybe examine the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half when they were playing against a 14-man Clare. They didn't use the ball particularly well considering their numerical advantage. No, not at all. And, and, and Clare seemed to be um, growing in confidence like as, as that second half was, was moving on. They went back to the kind of um, traditional six backs in their two midfielders and, and they were hitting... John Conlon with a lot of puck outs, you know what I mean, and picking up the breaks and growing in confidence. And it was even when Shawnee Tobin got sent off for, for Limerick, you know, kind of, kind of just changed the course of the game again. But I think all in all, Limerick definitely deserved to win the match. Um, Aaron Cunningham popped up with two sensational goals, really, do you know what I mean? Like, top, over the top. You disappointed with how they were conceded from a, a Limerick man's point of view? Yeah, in fairness, the first one I thought he kind of run out, ran out of space, you know, and just get, kind of kept going and passed down another Limerick man and finished in the right bottom corner and the second, second goal was just just top quality do you know so I think taking those two goals out of Limerick might have been that small bit further ahead What did you make of Shawnee Tobin sending off off within 20 seconds normally when subs come in they let their opposition man know they're there maybe yeah. he went a bit overboard I think that, that happens in every match you know when, when a sub does come on corner back tends to give him a, a bit of a dunt and the forward always kind of retaliates and they go from there do you know the ball the ball comes in then you know, the, ref, the ref wasn't too far away from it but I can't, can't see how you give one fella yellow and the other fella red you know, I'm kind of surprised but if you want to give two yellow cards so be it I think the, the sending off for that is very harsh happening in every match around the country you know I know there's a lot of ifs, but if, if Clare had Conor McGrath, if they had Brendan Bugler, who missed out through suspension, and maybe Podge Collins, who's gone playing football, do you think that would have made a massive difference? Colin Galville as well. I mean, Limerick have won. Let's not take credit away from them, but they haven't beaten the Clare side that was there two years ago, the All-Ireland winning team. No, without a doubt. They're huge losses. I think Galvin, who's over in the States, and Podge Collins, you know, really, they're... When they were going well two years ago, you know, Clare were flying in. Same with Bugler and Conor McGrath, you know, all, all All-Stars, and obviously would take from the Clare team, you know, and good strength and depth a lot of young fellas there but um, they, did, they did miss those fellas today Cork and Waterford on the other side of the draw next week a quick prediction on that one or sorry in two weeks time I fancy Cork I suppose um, Park Mahoney's injury I think is a, is a huge factor 
um, hasn't barely missed a free all league you know and he's been very consistent pivotal position there centre forward and there was always going to be a bit of a kickback in, in, in Cork anyway after the poor uh, league final, final performance so I, I would uh, fancy Cork for that match That's ex-Limerick curler Brian Geary and before him Kean Lynch speaking following their win over Clare in the Munster quarter final it was a bad weekend for Antrim they were relegated to the Christie Ring Cup following their defeat to Carlo Leash and Westmeath made the Leinster quarter finals where they'll play Offaly and Wexford those games taking place on June the 7th the O'More overcame Westmeath 120-117 in O'More Park after the game Leash boss Cheddar Plunkett and Westmeath manager Michael Ryan spoke to Midlands 103 you know, there's no point in feeling sorry for ourselves because nobody's going to hand us a victory and nobody's going to, to put the points on the board for us. It's, we've got to do it ourselves and I think we're capable of doing that. Well, I suppose uh, you know, a lot of our holding was geared towards the Championship. We've, we've done enough that of work with our first touch. And, I mean, the, champ, the league is generally played in muck and shite and the weather wouldn't be the best. And In fairness to Kelly, they deserve to win in the day. But, you know, I suppose this, even though there's a feel about today, it's like a Championship Sunday. The weather was good and you know, out on the pitch and it's a different scenario. So That's where everybody wants to be. Playing championship in, in May, June, July. Over the last couple of weeks, I'd probably say we're looking for some flow in our team, and we're looking for for our team to click. We do really, really good things, and and um, we just don't do en- do enough of them all of the time. And and uh, when you do that, then flow happens for you, and the team sort of clicks, and scores go over for you. And you know we've been working really, really hard at that, and the team themselves have been working savage hard at that. Um, and and uh, no, today was no different than that. And and uh, but you know you've you've got to have the character in the team first. You've got to have that fighting spirit in the team before you talk about floor any of those teams and I think it's pretty clear today that this team has that in abundance This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Michael Ryan the Westmeath manager talking about losing in the league final to Kerry but bouncing back in the championship you also heard a leash manager Cheddar Plunkett on their win yesterday over Michael Ryan's Westmeath it was a close encounter uh, following Leash's victory they'll play Offaly in two weeks while Westmeath will take on Wexford Antrim as we say relegated following their defeat to Carlo, who don't progress, but they do stay up. It begs the question, all of these games and, and what's happening, especially when you look at Antrim's relegation and the fact that Carlo won't have any more games in the Championship this year. Does the system work? Does it help to develop the, I'll use the term, so-called weaker counties under a bit of duress? Um, once again, here is Leash Manager Cheddar Plunkett. Any system that, that that's trying to put teams down to a lower division simply doesn't make sense to me. Um, it, it would it would be my view that that um, if you're trying to develop a system to improve teams, well, you, you you've got to, to to look at you know how you can how that team can benefit from from winning matches and that. So I think there's a higher uh, issue and a higher a higher um, discussion about that that needs to be had um, in terms of developing counties, Westmead or Antrim or Carlow or ourselves. Um, you know, is it just good enough to throw out um, um, a qualifying competition? Even the very word itself, you know, is demeaning for teams. Um, throw out qualifying competition, which in essence really is just to put teams down to Christie Ring. I certainly, I, don't, I certainly don't see enough work coming in behind that to, to grow hurling in those counties and to improve hurling in those counties. And until I see that, until I see uh, you know, a genuine interest in these counties from GA headquarters and, and, and in terms of getting in behind developments and all of that, all the other stuff, to my, in my view, is just window dressing. As a short as well as response to it, it is difficult to work your way through these things. Look, there is advantages and there's disadvantages. Um, it's difficult to work your way through it. It also throws your under-21. We have a very, very young team. It throws the preparation of our under-21 team you know, out of the window completely because 
because you're playing every Sunday and you don't get a chance to prepare your under 21 team and at the end of the day your 21 team will always be a development panel for your senior team so there, 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 there's disadvantages it also has, a, has advantages look if you win matches and you get momentum you can build on that momentum so so I, I think it needs to be looked at much more in depthly and I think there's there's obviously a better way but it's not it's just not simply a, a competition that needs to be put in here in my view the competition is just put in there to, to put teams down and look if, 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 if that's uh, the uh, the motivation behind this well certainly you're not going to develop hurling in these counties if that's the case This is the Rewind on News Talk still to come Shane Lowry on a strong showing at the BMW Championship and Dublin manager Jer Cunningham looks ahead to their Leinster quarter final with Galway in Crow Park next Sunday as well as all that Waterford footballer Shane Briggs talks about why players in weaker counties go to the effort they do what do they get out of it and how can the systems be tweaked to help them and the counties they play with first though Cavan overcame Monaghan 16 points to 15 in the Ulster quarter final while Roscommon beat London 114 to 10 points in the Connacht quarter final in Royslip next up for Monaghan are the winners of next week's game between Fermanagh and Antrim while the Rossies go to Markovic Park for a meeting with Sligo here's the reaction from Kingspan Breffney Park uh, it's Monaghan forward Conor McManus but first Cavan boss Terry Highland on giving away too many frees. They did they probably get a bit of control around the middle of the park for that 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, you know, probably some fortuitous freeze as well happened from around the area, which when we were attacking, we got we, we got overturned and it, it gave them back the momentum. Um, you know, and, and they, they made hay off that, and you can't blame on them for that. That's, that's, that. that's the nature of the game. Yeah, in that period, they did win a lot of freezes, as you said. They did seem to be soft freezing around the middle of the park. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know... I, I don't know. Uh, I suppose the referee calls them as he sees them, and that's 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 what that's what it is, and that's his job. But you know what I mean. Perhaps I'm biased on my side when I think I thought it was soft anyway. That result now means that Cavan are out of the Ulster Championship, going into the back door. Is it going to be hard to pick up the lads now for the back door system? No, I can't see it. Not on the back of that performance. You know, we, we were saying it right in the in the week or two into, leading into the game that it was going to be a serious battle, and it turned out that way. And um, you know, Cavan are a good side, and maybe people I don't think give them give them enough credit or respect coming into the game. We certainly didn't take them lightly, and, and it showed out there today. It did, and it didn't look good. Maybe with 15 minutes to go, you saw four points adrift, but it shows the character of this Monaghan side. Yeah, we, we dug deep. We, we didn't panic. You know, we kept chipping away. We got a few scores and, and got got momentum going in our in our way. You know, in our favour and. You know, it, t- it took all our effort to win that game. It's a seriously tough game, but nothing more than we expected. Very little between you in the first half. You did go down two points just before half time. So, at half time, were you disappointed maybe to be trailing, or were you just looking at it, lads, and saying this is still there for the taking? Well, we still felt we were, we were well in the game. You know, we hadn't performed overly well. We felt that if we could get out and get a performance in the second half, that we could get the win. But it didn't just turn out like that. We didn't hit the ground running in the start of the second half, and we ended up four down. So it made just life a bit more difficult to, to claw the game back in, but get back into contention. But look, at, we're happy. Did it ever cross your mind, maybe when you were four points down, this isn't going to be our day? Because Darren was a true on goal. He, he took a point, but I suppose as it turned out, all the scores were vital. All scores are vital, like, and, and you know, I think it maybe finished one point game, sixteen, fifteen, whatever. It shows that it was a quality game, you know, and hopefully that the the, the powers that be or the, the media and that there give it the credit the, the game deserved. It was a good game and maybe probably fairly entertaining as well. So look, at, we're just happy to be involved, happy to get a win, and, and we'll concentrate on, on the next game now. This is the rewind on News Talk. That's Monaghan forward Connor Mac. Manus and before him Terry Highland of Cavan speaking to Northern Sound and Shannon Side Radio respectively. Monaghan getting a one point win over their rivals Cavan in a close fought but entertaining Ulster 
championship game more on that uh, coming up tonight on Off the Ball that's if you're listening on Monday Roscommon also had a good win beating uh, London 114 to 10 points in Roy Slip here's defender Shawnee McDermott of the Rossies speaking to Shannon Side Radio's Willie Hegarty about scoring only 1-3 in the second half we know it's not good enough I mean um, you know at the forwards they'll hold their hands up there and they'll go to work looking to more than ourselves in defence we didn't you know play it to the best of our ability but look as I said it's a job done we have a totally different uh, kettle of fish coming down the in a four weeks time um, a lot of quality forwards in the Sligo team something they've always possessed and I tell you one thing we, we're going to be, we have to be on our toes also you have to go to Markovic Park and Sligo have proven down the years they're difficult not to crack at home absolutely Willie uh, look at Sligo are a good team there's no doubt about it hard to beat they're in Markovic Park it's going to be a fierce fierce tough game it's going to be nothing in a, our sole focus for the next four weeks is Sligo Shawnee my final question to you is um, it's been a good spring for Roscommon can the summer be equally as good? Look, at, um, it, it's it, it's all about it's all about the work rate. It's all about us putting in putting in the work, and you know, it, it's sole focus is game by game. I mean, look, at there's no question about it. Uh, it, it you're looking for a silverware. It's Connacht Championship. We want to look out, try and you know win a Connacht title. There's no doubt about that, but. Sligo is next and Sligo are thinking the same thing as us they're looking to get to a kind of final This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Ross Common defender Shawnee McDermott more GAA to come later with Dublin hurling manager Jer Cunningham and Waterford footballer Shane Briggs remember you can contact us about that or any other sporting matters on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com Rugby now and Munster will face Glasgow Warriors in the Guinness Pro 12 final next Saturday night in Kingspan Stadium, Belfast. Former Munster Connacht and Ireland scrum half and current Corcon and Ireland women's team coach Tom Tierney will talk to us in a moment. But first, here's some rare access to the Munster dressing room as Paul O'Connell led his team in a rousing rendition of Stand Up and Fight. Of course, Saturday, by his own admission, was probably his last game ever for Munster at Thoman Park and what a game it was what a finish it was as well Munster just about squeezing uh, the victory against the Ospreys in the Pro 12 semi-final We saw some emotion from yourself and from people around you uh, at full time Paul is this the last time we're going to see you at Thoman Park in a Munster jersey? Uh, it probably is it probably is I mean um, I think I said before summer would be the time for fully making all those decisions but uh, yeah it's probably the last time I, I play for Munster here and, Tom Tierney, former Ireland Connacht and Munster scrum half and current Corcon and uh, Ireland women's team coach. Um, It was kept on the down low. Some rumours did circle, but it wasn't exactly at fever pitch. But uh, it appears that Paul O'Connell has played his last ever game at Thoman Park. It's a a kind of a, a sad moment for fans and for guys like yourself who would know him well and who would have played with him. You know, I suppose at the end of the day, it, uh, it happens happens to us all. Um, and Paul is no different, no, ma- no matter how good and how uh, influential he has been over the years. Um, I think, um, I think you know, it was uh, it, it was obviously a personal decision to, uh, to 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 do whatever. Like again, you know, he's been very uh, coy and been very um, smart in how he, you know, in, in what he says. Um, and officially, it's not uh, it's not there yet. But I suppose the you know the the word on the street, as they say, is um, that that was his last game at Thomond Park, and hopefully next weekend, um, you know, he 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 he'll finish his monster career with a with a win. Now he hasn't said if he's retiring or not, but um, look, even if that doesn't happen for another season, even if he goes off to Toulon or or somewhere else, no one would begrudge him of that. But uh, do you think he's the kind of guy who will ideally suit coaching if that's what he wants to do next? 
Well, I think, you know, if you if you speak to anyone, um, you know, who has worked with Paul as a player um, or as a coach, um, you know, his his knowledge of the game, his understanding of the game is um, is, is second to none. Um, I think he's got a lot to offer um, going forward. I think his heart is in the game of rugby and I don't think he'll, uh, you know, I don't think he'll move, you know, you know, he moves too far away from the game itself, and you know he would be a he would be a huge he would be a huge signing as a player if he decides to play on, but he'll also be a huge signing as a coach if, uh, if if he decides to do that. And you know, as we as we all know, there's two ways of doing it. There's um, you know you 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 know these big star names they can go straight into coaching jobs, and it could be possibly something like that that he has his eye on the next year or two. Um, and you know whether he wants to get um, some. Some learning under his belt from uh, from across the water in France, or you know something in Ireland. You just don't know because uh, these things, you know, these things can change from uh, from day to day. But um, I think you know, knowing Paul, um, he is a clear he has a clear plan in his head, and uh, you know he'll uh, he'll go about fulfilling that. Well, let's do what Paul O'Connell and the rest of the Munster team will do. Let's not get distracted and focus on the game coming up this Saturday. They're up against Glasgow Warriors. It, it's You could argue more home for Munster than it is for Warriors as it is uh, in Belfast. So they've got there, but it wasn't pretty. No, but um, when it comes to playoff r- rugby, you know, it's it's not about how pretty it is. It's about how effective it is. Um, I think... You know, if 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 Munster look back at that game and know that they're doing it this morning, um, you know they'll they'll feel like they they'll let they'll let Ospreys off the hook on a number of occasions when they had the opportunity to to either kick their penalty goals or to um or to or to stop them from scoring um you know silly silly tries that they'll be not very very happy about. But to have got out of jail, you know, with the last play of the game, um, you know, it just sometimes sometimes those things go for you, and 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 thankfully it went for Munster at the weekend, um, you know they. They'll be up against against Glasgow, but again, I I personally don't uh, don't think Munster will fear Glasgow too much as long as they get their homework done on you know on the on the type of game that Glasgow want to play. Obviously, they'll want to play a, an offloading um, support type game that's high tempo. If Munster can you know really really be good in defence and uh, and and they look to play in the right areas and use that uh, rolling ball to great effect, I think Munster will. Uh, I think Munster will win. To, to be honest, um, I think uh, I think they've grown over the season. I think the management team have grown into their jobs over the season, um, and the way Munster are playing now, in, and albeit in fits and starts, I think is uh, is very very encouraging for this weekend, but also for um, next year. Overall, Ian Keatley has had a very good and very solid season, but he had a bit of a mare off the kicking tee at the weekend. Is that something he can easily put out of his head? Are you? kind of convinced looking at it as a, as a former professional and a guy who does coach that it was a one-off and it, it, it can happen to some guys some days like it happens to golfers they just get the yips and you know there's no explaining it but he'll be okay next time round well, that's and that's the challenge for uh, for, for Keatley this weekend. Um, I think most of his general play um, on, um, on 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 last Saturday was 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 pretty good. A couple of kicks were a small bit loose, um, out of hand as well. But you know, you just have to differentiate between your 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 normal rugby game that he has to do from a from a ten position, and also then his kicking game, which um, you know, which didn't you know, it didn't go to plan. You know, but these things happen. But I think, um, you know, I think they'll be going through a few things. I think, um, I think he's the only option for ten. I, I don't think they'll start JJ Hanrahan. It's it's going to be Hanrahan's last game if he's involved before he goes to Northampton. So that's not an option. I think they'll stick with Keatley. I think it'll be a good learning curve. He's a he's a he's a very very good player. He's an international player. These things happen, and it's all about the next game.
next game um, in a cup final, how does he come? And you know, obviously, if he if he has the kicking duties next uh, next Saturday, you know, it's his first one or two kicks that will set the tone for the for the game. And I think um, I think he'll do plenty of work mentally and physically over the week just to get that right. And um, I I would have no fear of him uh, stepping up to the plate and uh, and, and and bouncing back from. A bad day. We all have bad days. Um, thankfully, it didn't. Uh, it didn't cost Munster. Um, hopefully, it will be a good learning curve and it'll be a driving force for next weekend. Now, Connor Murray could miss the game. He would be an incalculable loss. He would um, he, now, and uh, but but on top of that, in fairness to Duncan Williams, when he came on, he did uh, he he had a fine busy game. So you know, it's uh, it's it wasn't it wasn't the derailing that a lot of people would have thought. Um, you know that um, when Murray went off, now he it looked it, it all depends on what uh, you know. It, it's it's nearly it's nearly forty eight hours now um, since uh, since he got the got the bang on the knee. It'll all depend on how it just has settled down. And um, once the scan is done, they'll have a fair idea. Um, he doesn't look, you know, he doesn't look like he'll be fit for this weekend, uh, which is very, uh, which is very disappointing from a Munster point of view. But at least they'll know straight away, so they can plan accordingly during the week. Um, but you know, the big one then is, you know, is he is he going to be okay for the World Cup? Um, the the first thoughts um, are uh, again from a, from around Limerick way um, the, yesterday and, to, and and this morning is that it's not as bad as first feared, um, but. You know that is a that is a funny way of changing. So fingers crossed he'll be all right um, in the in the long term. But unfortunately he, uh, he he looks a serious doubt for this weekend. And some doubt over O'Mahony as well. Another big loss if it happens. Let's hope he'll be okay. Well, you know he um, he was he, he was forcing he was forcing it all uh, all last week to, to to get onto the field. I think he, um, he 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 Munster got as much as they knew they'd get out of him, um, and then obviously with Billy Holland coming in, um, who's been uh, who's been very very effective in the second row this year, and you know he didn't weaken the team at all with uh, Donica Ryan moving back to six. So it's um, it was one of those things. But you still don't want you, you don't want to be missing your big names. You don't want to be missing your captain, one of the leaders, the driving forces behind the team. You don't don't want to be losing any of those in these big matches and you know again I think Munster got as much as they knew they'd get out of him um, from a fitness point of view and hopefully now they got him off just in time just to you know to hopefully get him through this week and get him onto the field for the for the final because uh, he's he's obviously is he's as big as they come when it uh, when it comes to from a, a leadership point of view. And Tom just before I let you go this is the first time we've spoken since Ireland were awarded the hosting of the Women's World Cup in 2017 you're obviously the Ireland women's team uh, coach it's a great thing to have coming to the country and no doubt as women's rugby tries to grow this will be a massive help to it it is you know and it's uh, it's 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 great for the it's primarily it's great for the the girls that will be involved um you know it's 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 something that we were we were hoping that we would get um we were up against stiff competition from uh, from america and south africa so you know thankfully the the, the quality of the bid by the rfu was accepted by the uh, by world rugby um it's it's a huge opportunity for the game itself to grow um it's it's growing day by day by day it was something like this was needed to really really focus the minds and actually have something in the in the future that would uh, would be a huge world occasion and to have that in uh, in dublin and belfast is going to be superb for the uh, for, for for the game of rugby itself but also primarily uh, specifically for the the women's side of it um it's going to be you know it's you know it's it's a funny one because it was it just coincided with the fact that the, the women's game has been moved from the domestic uh, side of the irfu into the high performance unit 
So all these all these things now are going to be putting extra expectation, extra pressure on the players, on the management. Um, you know, so but that, but that's what we're looking for, and it, it was a critical factor that was needed to make the next step um, on the road to actually developing the game from a woman's point of view. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Tom Tierney on Munster in the Pro 12 final, and Paul O'Connell. Uh, moving on to the next phase, golf in a second, but uh, first just a little bit more rugby. Connox is Rob too strong a term to use? Well, certainly there were controversial decisions made by referee Roman Poit in uh, yesterday's playoff against Gloucester. They lost 42-32 after extra time. 40-32, I beg your pardon, after extra time. After the match, Pat Lamb spoke to Galway Bay FM's Rob Murphy. Of course, Connacht now will play in the Challenge Cup next season, having finished seventh in the league and having lost the playoff. Had they won yesterday, they would have gone on to the playoff final, but sadly that's not to be. Anyway, here is the reaction of Pat Lamb. Yeah, disappointed, really. You know, got the feel for the boys, you know, absolutely proud of them again. Um, you know, we deserved more out of that game, and, uh, you know, we should have gone home with the win, and, um, you know, it's just hard, hard, hard. You know, really feel for them. How are you going to balance that fact that you probably should have, and there'll be mistakes made by oh. Connacht, despite the fact that they put their hearts on the line? Yeah, right no, no different. We go through the process. That hasn't changed, you know. The first thing is about the work ethic and what we did and put ourselves in that position to win the game. You know, no one gave us a chance, and, uh, you know, we should have and uh, could have won that. And um, But we go. that's all part of the whole development, all part of the learning. There's so many questionable... There were so many questionable decisions in that game. I couldn't pick out one, but maybe in the lead up to last try, there was about three calls, maybe crossing, a few other issues. You must be frustrated. Yeah, well, I learned from my um, my judiciary, but I'm not talking about any referees. Just well, talk to me about how well the players reacted to every time Gloucester oh, scored. Well, they did well, every time they scored, they came in and they were right there, right through the end there, and um, they kept coming at them, kept coming at them, and when everyone thought we were down and out, and when you know certainly at 25, um, uh, just before the last minute of the play, and you know we, we carried the ball in and we got a penalty against us, which should have gone the other way. Um, and uh, but those are the calls that uh, you just got to live with, and um, and that gave them that end to the game. But then we still should have stopped that mall, and then you know they scored the try. But at half time, you know obviously they were on the up, and the injury time we, we we came together, we we got on the huddle, and we talked about that, you know about Connacht and the fight, and and who we represent and what we do, and then making sure we get back into um, using the ball and back into our game, and um, you know that injury time, you know they. The try we scored just before was, was fantastic, and but we needed to keep the ball, and that's one of our learnings. We kicked the ball away, and that was the last thing we needed to do with the counterattack they had, and um, you know we paid the ultimate price. Listen, the whole country is going to give you so much credit, but ultimately you're falling just short of your stated goal. Yeah, I mean we know that. I mean that, you set a goal and you aim for it, and you know like John Moll said in the huddles, you know you got to you know all the good teams have defeats on their way as they build up, you know, and I think the fact that we put ourselves in this situation, the fact that you know it came on the back of record season winning that we've got ourselves here and then and the fact that we, we fought right to the end and, and that close just shows what you know we're on the right track 16 guys you look at all the subs we could have named the starting 15 from the 16 that are out but all the other guys step up and that's credit to the culture credit to the work here for the boys Pat Lamb speaking to Rob Murphy in golf Shane Lowry prepared well for this week's Irish Open by finishing tied for 6 10 off the lead at the BMW Players Championship in Wentworth Larry, who's a previous Irish Open winner, spoke to Nick Dye after his final round. Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, it's been a month or two or a couple of months since I've been ha- ha- had half a chance to win. So, um, you know, it was nice. It was nice to go out there today and give myself a chance. And I felt like I played well. I just didn't hold anything. Not, nothing happened for me. But for me, the big thing about the week is, you know, putting myself in contention again. And, I mean, a massive thing is uh, three, three rounds in a row without a bogey, which is, uh, you know, pretty good, especially the way I play golf. 
from an observer, it looked like plenty of control, plenty of yeah. opportunities, just not quite yeah, clinched. Yeah. yeah, I was quite in control of myself and my game all week. Uh, well, apart from Thursday, since since Friday, and um, you know, it's nice just to be back back at the top of the leaderboard and seeing your name up there is always nice. You know, it would have been really nice to hold that in the last, but you know, that's the way the day kind of went. Um, but uh, happy, look, really looking forward to your show open next week. You know, going in with a little bit of form, which is nice, and uh, hopefully I can do something special up there. Well, elaborate on that. I take it's a very special place to go, isn't it, with Royal County Down? Yeah, it is. Uh, I've only played Royal County Down a few times now, but yeah, it's a nice golf course, nice place, and obviously it's my home tournament, so I'm going there and I really want to win. Same coastline as Beltray? Yeah, not far, only an hour up the road, um, so yeah, uh, you never know, you never know. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Shane Lowry speaking to Nick Dye. Back to GAA now, and next Sunday, Dublin clash with Galway in the Leinster Hurling quarterfinal. Ahead of that game, I've been speaking with Dubs Boss and uh, former All-Ireland winner with Cork, Jer Cunningham. First, we spoke about what they learned from their late collapse against the Rebels in the league semi-final. You know, I suppose in the situation, actually we get a chance to you know to review the league, and I suppose we, we reviewed it in, and to take it in an overall context, you know, it was... We felt that we had a pretty good league campaign. We, you know, we all year long. I think what I've been try, striving for is to try to get the team to play to be more consistent in their performances and you know to be at a level where we're playing at a high level in every game. And I think we, you know, we achieved that in, in most games, except maybe the, the Cork game in Crow Park in the first half, where that was pretty disappointing. But I think we've been competitive in all the matches so far. And uh, then we took a break after the league semi-final. The lads went back to their clubs for a bit. There was a couple of rounds of the championship and. Uh, you know, I've come back in from that, and uh, you know, just all all, uh, all, our, all our attentions is focused on um, on Galway. Is there a danger that when something happens like happened in the league semi final against Cork, you kind of focus on that a bit too much, or or do you have to really focus on that and and see why it happened so it doesn't happen again? I mean, are there positives and negatives to take out of it? Yeah, I suppose the last game is always the freshest game in your mind, and it's always the freshest game in your head. And I suppose you could you can overcompensate and overfocus on the last game. Um, you know, and but you know, we've 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 tried to we've tried to look at it in a situation where it's the it's you know we played seven games in the league. It's not just all about the last game. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, we we learned a lot from the last game as well. I think we played you know to the to the high competitive game. We I think we played we played really well for 15 minutes, and you know, uh, Cork came run and came at us, and uh, you know we had chances still to you know, I think we had nine or ten wide in the second half, so we had opportunities to win the game. Uh, but again, hopefully, with things that we can learn from that match, we can bring forward in the championship with us. You experimented a bit during the league, which is, is probably the right thing to do. Uh, Liam Rush played a lot at full forward. There was times in games where he didn't get a whole lot of ball because defences watch him so closely. But then he'd pop up and he'd make a massive impact. So do you kind of have to weigh it up in your mind? Do I leave him in there or you know, am I happy to do what I'm doing with him knowing that he'll only get a few opportunities or are you tempted to kind of bring him out to try and get him on the ball more? It's, it's a tough one to decide on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But uh, you know, as I said, when people ask it that question at the start of the season in relation to you know playing Liam, I think Liam is, is, a, is, a, is a great all-round player. You know, he's had previous experience of playing in the forward line. He's played full forward, he's played way forward, centre forward, and then went back in more latter years, went back into centre back. So, you know, I, I don't pigeonhole the emotion to be able to play in any one position. I think you know we're looking at it from a team point of view, where where we can. Liam Rush from a point of view from a team where he can have most impact and uh, you know that could be full forward or centre forward but you know we wouldn't be slow to put him back in other places if we need him centre field or centre back right or if the, if, the, if the case arises you know Now what about Galway what do you make of them Joe Canning we thought was going to be an injury doubt for this game but he will be fit Yeah yes you know obviously Joe would probably be the name and the star player of this Galway team but you know again we, we'll be looking at you know the 
But you know, Galway have been have been knocking on the door. Have been very very a team there thereabouts in the last number of years, looking to looking to make the steps same as everybody else. And uh, you know, it's a it's a very tough first round game for for any team to play. Like Galway and Dublin, I suppose, looking at each other like it's a tough game for both teams. Like it's a, you know, and uh, there's a lot at stake. You know, in the quarter final match, but again, I suppose we're just trying to focus on our own performance really, and where we can uh, you know hopefully look at places for us to win the game. So all our attention is on ourselves really. The last couple of performances in, in Crow Park haven't been, I suppose, what you'd call the best. Is that something you're looking at? Has Crow Park been a factor for this team? And if so, why? No, I don't think so. I think our, our sure last performance again in Crow Park was actually very good against Limerick in the, in the quarterfinal of the league. So, no, I don't think, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't read anything to that. You know, I think uh, Dublin have played, certainly we've played, you know, played well there. We've, there's been games where we haven't played so well there again. So, I think you know. I think there's, there's too much being made up the score park situation. Like you know, our last game was good there. So again, we're looking forward to going there Sunday week. Are you excited about the championship jerseys? It's kind of getting to that crunch time, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's phase two from our point of view. You know, we're looking at phase one was the league, and you know that that was our focus for the moment. But again, like this is where this is where this is where players want to test themselves. You know, in relation to the championship, this is what this is what it's about. This is where the, you know you you got to move up a level to to uh, to, to championship. Or you know, this phase the league is great, but. I think you know we're certainly looking forward to it as a, as, as a management team, and I think our players are as well. Um, you know we've prepared as best we can, and uh, looking forward to take on the challenge of Galway. This is the rewind on news talk, and that was Dublin manager Jerk Cunningham speaking to me about their Leinster Championship opener with Galway next Sunday. We'll have updates from that match and live commentary of the Dublin Longford football game uh, next Sunday on Off the Ball. We'll also have news from Tipperary and Waterford and Thurles in the football as those two meet for the right to face Kerry in the semi-final. James O'Donoghue likely to miss that game. He has a calf injury. And the Dacia started the year brightly, winning their pre-season tournament, the McGrath Cup, beating Cork in the final. But um, despite a bright start in Division 4, a few slip-ups cost them promotion. Uh, Shane Briggs is the long-serving centre-back. He spoke to me about what motivates players in counties who don't have a chance of winning championship silverware to stay working and committed. Also, we speak about what can be done for weaker counties and whether or not the championship has to be restructured and whether or not a Tommy Murphy Cup-style competition should be reintroduced. First though, Briggs talks about the difficulty of keeping a squad together in the long gap between league and championship. Well, I think you'll, you'll get that in most county squads. Uh, you know, but in, in Waterford, uh, we have a couple of guys gone to America. There's, there's, no, there's no secret either. But the core nucleus of guys, uh, I think over the last few years, been brought on since John Owens, Niall Carew and now Tom McGlinchey. The core group of guys tend to stay around all the time, um, which has been great for water football because I remember in the first few years I was in the panel, there could be literally a 50% turnaround in the panel from the first game of the championship to the first qualifiers. So it gives a good bit of continuity to the squad. Obviously, you'd prefer if everyone stayed and everyone played, but um, unfortunately, some guys are in a position where financially they have to go. Uh, it's very hard for them to stay around for 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 water for football because ultimately you're not going to be contesting probably Munster finals or all Ireland finals. So you you're hoping that you know if you have a good league, guys will stay, and if they go, well, what can you do? You know you're hoping you you we don't have a big enough player pool that we can kind of jettison guys. So you will literally you'll invite them back next year again. They're more than welcome back. Lost the keeper. That's a that's a big big one to lose before the championship. Yeah, well, he's in my own club, and um, in fairness to him, he was he was straight up. Uh, Stephen was with Tom, and you know. But in fairness, I've been incredibly impressed with Sean Barron. I mean, he's played Sigerson inside in CIT. Um, he's been very very good in the, in the challenge games we've played so far. So I don't think there'd be much much of a difference in the two goalkeepers. Yeah, well, he is an Ardmore man, so you can expect <laughs> quality from him. Um, 
Tipperary, close neighbours. Haven't met them this year in the league because obviously they were in Division 3, but uh, it's been close between Waterford and Tip any time they have met in the last few seasons. Yeah, and we don't have, um, I think it was 2003 was the last time we played them in Championship. So that's a long, long time. Um, anytime we played them in the league, it's been very competitive between both. Uh, like last year, we drew. Ultimately, they got promoted. And again, once again, we didn't. Um, but I think the familiarity as well, a lot of with the, the counties being so close, a lot of teams would play challenge matches against each other from Waterford and Tip. So um, we're well aware of all the players they have, and they've had a lot of success on their edge in the last few years. So um, we're under no illusions. It's going to be a huge challenge. And with Stephen O'Brien and Colin O'Reardon, they've got guys who are ready to step up and guys who had a very successful under-21 campaign this year, so they're coming in with momentum. Also, they stayed in Division 3 and actually right up until the second last weekend were in with the shout of promotion. Yeah, I, got, I mean, I remember talking to someone in January and I definitely wanted to tip them both themselves and Clare to get promoted to Division 3. There's not that actually much difference between Division 3 and 4. And tip, I suppose, with the added uh, bonus of having so many lads involved in the 21 this year, it's something that Watford have not been able to do over the last 20 years, have a very, very competitive under-21 team or even contesting, because when Larry Tompkins was here, they contested, I think it was three most of finals under-21 in a row, but since then we've had very little success. So... It's a great foundation for your senior team. It does not ultimately lead to success, as some counties have found out the last few years, but uh, it's a very good base. Do you look at Tip with a bit of envy? Because they've been very successful underage in the last couple of years. A minor All-Ireland could have won an under-21 All-Ireland, a couple of Munster titles. Waterford, back in the early 2000s, won a Munster under-21 crown, and they had a very decent minor team. But they never really seem to build on that. They never really seem to take advantage. Is that frustrating for you? Yeah, it, it would be it would be one of the sore points. I suppose I'm you know I'm a teacher myself, and I see I see football the poor level of minor teams and 21 teams we've had over the last few years. And is that down to preparation, not the actual squads and the players themselves? Uh, there's a bit of both. Um, you know, does the development squads have not got from what I hear? They're, they haven't been. Uh, very successful over the last few years but it's been due, due to maybe a lack of interest but from the player point of view because Hurling is the number one and unfortunately in Walford there's a huge amount of brilliant young footballers who also ultimately end up being brilliant young hurlers and I think it's it's a case of like you look at some strong clubs like maybe you know Abbeyside Denier, Formal Water even Strabley over the last years who've been both football and senior hurling and if you're given the choice I mean you can't blame any young lad and um, but I still believe that you know there's enough young talent in Walford that we really realistically just need one or two guys every year onto the senior panel who are up to the level. And over the last few years, like we've seen the likes of like Shane Hearn, unfortunately on the panel this year, but hopefully he will come back in the future. You know I've seen like lads like Conor McGrath, seen young lads like Paul White, they've stepped up and they're well good enough to play on any senior team in the country. Yeah. So like it's a it's a case of you need a, a, a group of core of lads of thirty lads who are willing to literally sacrifice their lives for you know, a few years for Walford to make a breakthrough. Until that, that happens, with 30 guys pulling the same way, you know, it's going to be very difficult. Do we need a football strategy for, and I hate to use this term, weaker counties, but a lot of counties would suffer the same kind of thing as, as you just outlined. And even in some counties, they might have the development structure in place. I mean, I look at, at Leitrim, now I don't know what their internal structure is, but results-wise, at a senior level, they haven't done much in the last couple of years. Wicklow, the same, and there's Sligo, the same. You could mention a number of counties, although Sligo won a, a Connacht five or six years ago. But still, you know, they haven't really achieved highly um, in the last couple of years. Whereas Tip, who've put an awful lot of work in, are now succeeding. And that's no coincidence. No, and it, it, there is, it is no coincidence. When you 
put money into something, it's no guarantee of success, but when you put manpower behind it and you encourage young lads to play, um, there, there, look, realistically, there is no reason why the vast majority of counties in Ireland should not be good at both hurling and the football if the right, I suppose, resources and planning is put in place. For me, ultimately, playing senior, there's not enough games. You know, you're training for nine months to play two championship games. I mean, uh, that that to me is not good enough. Um, you want to be playing week upon week. I, I players do, especially in the week counties. You know, we don't want to be training for six weeks, seven weeks in a row. We want to be playing a game every single week of championship intensity. So I would obviously have been a huge advocate of maybe having, you know, being in the normal provincial championship and then the All-Ireland, but you know, have something else. Yeah. And we don't need four and five weeks between games. We just play them off every week and play every week. And, um, you know, that's what lads want to be doing. And I think when you, that's, how, that's the only way you can get up to, to the level is that to play, keep playing more level games at a high intensity level uh, that you won't get in club championships do you think the GA calendar needs looking at because it's something that's been talked about in another context but it sounds like in this context for weaker counties you could actually really do with the league running straight into the championship uh, absolutely and look from a waterford point of view it, and, and my own view I mean look we're in a, a province with two of the best teams in Ireland with Kerry and Cork we've been incredibly unsuccessful um, is the provincial structure working for us no it's not uh, we we would love there to be you know an open draw or even a Champions League style format because then we might be get a guarantee of more games against you know other counties around Ireland who we feel that we can beat. Yeah. But while we line up against the likes of Kerry and Cork and okay, okay, occasionally we take massive beatings, um, you're trying to be competitive. We're realistically their their counties aiming for all our semi finals and finals. We we are only looking to try and you know progress Waterford to, to where we're trying to get out of Division Four at the start and then progress to, to get more games against better quality opposition in which then hopefully our championship performances can, can increase over the next few years. Now you've been kind of a bit above Carlo in the last couple of years results wise. I know this year they got the win, but their beating against Leash has been used, I suppose, as a as a launch pad for calls for a split championship promotion relegation to be included and all that. At those fair calls, do you think the championship works as it is? Do you think there should be a system in place where you are at a lower tier and have the opportunity, if you prove yourselves worthy, to get up? Or do you think we just need to restructure the current championship as it is? Well, from my point of view, and I really I can't speak for um, the county board, but like the way it's working is not suiting us. It, it's as simple as that. The Tommy Murphy Cup a few years ago um, was... Was some way you know it wasn't it wasn't very successful for us, but we got to a couple of semi-finals, and I know the buzz in the camp. You're only one game away from Crow Park, and and ultimately, any of the lads I've ever spoken to from the water panel, they want to play in Crow Park. Well, look at it tip for tip, they won it. Yeah, and like I mean, when we got to the league final in 2010, I mean, I, I, that's something I'll never ever forget. Uh, definitely, that there's something has to be done for weaker teams. It's you know, it, it, well, the, the current structure is not helping us. Yeah. It's you know, it definitely, more games need to be played, whether it's against high-quality opposition. But remember, for us, a lot of the teams in Ireland are perceived as better than us. Yeah. So therefore, like, I mean, two years ago, we should have beaten Galway and Galway. Yeah. Right? We are capable of play, putting in big performances uh, on any given day, but it's the consistency and the lack of which is the problem. And a lot of that, again, comes from the lack of intensity in some of the games we play and in the club championships we play in. 
some of our lads are just as talented as any footballers in Ireland, but they just need to consistently play at the level that they, unfortunately they don't get a, cha- a chance to do on a consistent basis. Yeah, I suppose the problem is county boards and, and provincial boards maybe don't want this to happen because it would mean a complete restructuring of them. Well, uh, I appreciate as a player that's an awkward one to answer. But No, it's an, oh, look, <laughs> I've had more than my fair share of difficulties with our county board. But in fairness, like our county board last few years, they're trying to do something about football. I've spoken, like in fairness, I've spoken to Tim O'Keefe on numerous occasions and sometimes the clubs don't want to back it. Um, but ultimately, when you're in a county like Waterford, where it's such a small player base, yeah. hurling is always going to be the number one and that's not going to change anytime soon. And so you're, you're hoping that... You know, somewhere along the line, that young lads are going to the guys who just solely focus on football, yeah. that they can make the step up to a higher grade, and I I, I believe that they can, mm. but they have to be given the opportunity, and at the moment I don't think they are. Yeah. Before I let you go, do you think that the structures are in place for a team to come from nowhere and become contenders, or does the championship structure and the calendar and everything? have to change before that happens and keep in mind when you're answering this you're not just answering it on behalf of Waterford there's only four or five teams realistically who can win the All-Ireland so you're talking about there being 25 or so weaker counties if that's what we want to call them well first of all it's, it's, it's not the fault of the yeah. top five yeah. you know they have their structures in place that carries the Dublins at the moment there is absolute, you might get you might get a down or you might get yeah. say over the last couple of years maybe an Armagh might come through once in a while they won't be able to do it on a consistent basis the way the championship works. There's no way that you could constant, consistently compete with the likes of Dublin and Kerry consistently over a period of 10 years unless you have your structures underage in place. Yeah. And, um, and the commitment levels are such that, you know, look at the, even over the last couple of years how much the turnover on the, the Dublin panel. Yeah. They can put, they, they have so many players of unbelievable quality. But, it, but yet their minor teams and 21 teams have been consistently successful um, I see there, like you know, the last few years to have Jack Connor in charge of Kerry is a masterstroke in terms of their minor team. But they won the All Ireland last year. They probably won the favourites this year. So there's no coincidence that a lot of the bigger teams now are starting to really, you know, focus their efforts on underage to make sure that they are consistently at the top of the game. And I think you know you've seen that in Waterford hurling, underage hurling, where everything from under 12s upwards, and they've done it the right way. It's just trying to get that on a football basis in a county that's pure has a pure love for hurling is, is at the moment unfortunately is just nigh on impossible you've spent all of your adult life in, in the Waterford panel what has kept you coming back knowing that the championship is going to be a tough place for you that you know you're not likely to win a, a Munster Cup you're not going to win the Sam Maguire what has kept you and, and a number of guys across the country coming back um, I think well, at the start it was very simple I mean we're here now talking now. Maybe I'm, this is my 14th year in the panel, and things have actually come on an awful lot in Walford. Yeah. I mean, what, you're taking. We used to be taking like massive drubbings against the next worst team. Uh, I think for a lot of the lads in the panel, first of all, the camaraderie they feel with their their fellow their players is unbelievable. The spirit in the camp is brilliant. And another thing, I suppose, well, the way I always felt about it was, even though. I was playing for Waterford, which I'm very proud. I still had the opportunity to go out and mark the best players in Ireland. So I've, had, I've been lucky enough to go out and say, mark the Gooch Cooper. Yeah. You make Desi Dolan when he was playing at the height of his career. You know, a couple of years ago, you were marking Sean Armstrong, and it allows you to test yourself. 
I think if you're if you're looking for medals and you're, and you're looking for adulation from supporters, I've always said this that you're in the wrong game for Waterford football. Yeah. If you're going to be representing Waterford football, but you just do you do you do because you love the game yeah. and it allows you the opportunity to get to the top of your chosen sport in your county, making you. I hate the word elite, yeah. but it's it's the first you can go. And like I, I've been lucky enough to say to myself to represent Munster along with a number of lads from Waterford. And any time they turned up, they were just as good as many other players from Cork and Kerry and Limerick and Tip. And you know, it's it's just a case of just keep going. You're you're hoping and you're praying that this year is going to bring something different. Yeah. And when you come up against the likes of a Gucci or a Desi, are you trying to earn their respect or? Does what they think of you have anything to do with it? Uh, I think, to be honest, Jay, more more than that, you're, you're trying to prove to yourself that you're good enough. I mean, I wouldn't, like if I met Colin Cooper in the street, I, I'd be surprised if he even knew who I was or any of these guys. Some guys, will, if you might meet them every now and again, you'd be surprised yeah. you know, if they say oh, you use your first name. But I, I always think that it's, it's a case of you're trying to prove yourself constantly that I'm good enough. And that if I was from Dublin, maybe I was from Kerry, would I be up to the standard? And uh, you, it's something I think most senior sports stars would, would say to themselves, the internal motivation that you have to have, it doesn't make a difference whether you're from Kerry or Walford. If you have that, um, I, I think you know, you'll do your very best. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, well, then you tried your best. What was your best day in a Waterford jersey, man-marking-wise? Uh, oh, I, I've had a few now. So you've generally been a centre-back for people yeah. who wouldn't have seen a whole pile of water. i a few... You, it's the days, you know. You marking the gooch was always, oh, always hard. <laughs> his <laughs> movement was, his movement is incredible. To be honest, with you, it's incredible. Uh, you, but there's only, but I have to say, probably the hardest was definitely uh, a Tipperary man. Oh really? Yeah. Um, from my Rovers club, easily the best forward I've ever marked. Um, yeah. You don't get three all stars playing for Tipperary. I think it is. Yeah. You know, um, Declan Brown, what a footballer! I think if he was playing for any other county, and it just goes—it just goes yeah. to show you. Like you see Gary Herney there for Waterford, Declan Brown for Tipperary. I mean, if they were in any other county, they would be just—they'd have might have seven or eight all stars. Yeah, Do you know. So that kind of answers the question of you know, there are enough good players in other counties. Yeah, maybe it's just they were born the wrong place. <laughs> Final question: We'll go back to the game against Tipperary. It's in Thurles, and generally. They don't bring a big crowd to Thurles. Is that an advantage for Waterford? Um, no, I don't. I don't think. Realistically, I think everyone's buzzing by the fact that we get to play in Thurles. Uh, we see it on TV every year. It's it's probably the second ground, or most iconic ground in Ireland, apart from Crow Park. Like I said to you, we all want to play in Crow Park, and you know, I've spoken to the lads, and they're really looking forward to going to Thurles. It's just that you have to throw, you have to put in a performance now. It's no good just turning up and being happy to be there. We have to go up there, and we won't be afraid of tip. But we know that we have to perform, and it's something we haven't done anyway near consistent enough over the past, well, 14 years since I've been in charge in cha- or in playing championship football. This is the rewind, and that was Waterford stalwart Shane Briggs of their footballers, of course, the Hurlers, taking on Cork on June 7th. We'll have more on that game next week. Um, now, we're going to end the rewind on a sad note because when we were putting the show together, we found out that Bill O'Hurley uh, had passed away. Um, it's hard to put into words what he has meant to Irish sports fans and Irish sports broadcasting. If you grew up watching sport in this country, you grew up watching Bill O'Hurley. And his skill was to make it look easy. I mean, he always appeared to be very relaxed on screen. And that's not in any way uh, easy to do because it's not a particularly relaxed environment 
live television. And keep in mind as well, he was handling grenades being thrown by Eamon Dunphy, which was not an easy thing to do. He's been kind of front and centre in all of the biggest sporting events that we've seen over the last 30 odd years. And um, quite simply, we're going to miss him. We've missed him since he retired last year and Darren Maloney's doing a fantastic job. It's, it's no slight on him, but Bill was just unique. And I'm struggling to find the words to explain as a sports fan what Bill O'Hurley he meant to me and and how good he was so you know what I'm going to let Bill do it himself this was him signing off from Ireland's World Cup coverage last year indeed his last ever uh, live broadcast and um, to the O'Hurley he family uh, we send our, our, our deepest condolences and to Bill we say we're going to miss you Take care, folks. Bye-bye. That's it for the World Cup coverage, and that's it for me too. I take my leave with so many great memories through more than 40 years of sports broadcasting. I've been lucky to be part of a huge positive development in RT sports coverage that brought so many great occasions uh, to the public. But my work on soccer, and most especially with the three amigos here, has been the great highlight of my career. Eamon and I have soldiered together since the 70s, John since the 80s, and Liam from the 90s. They've brought knowledge, insight, controversy, and regularly and importantly, a sense of fun to our coverage, which by any measurement has been outstandingly successful. Of course, we've had our differences, like when I sometimes run the, lost the run of myself and imagined I was an analyst rather than an anchor, and it got very much uh, put in my place. But I've had so much fun over the years. I've learned so much about football. And frankly, and there's no doubt about this, I have piggybacked on the talent of these three gentlemen. Through working with them, I've been privileged to serve you, the viewers, and you have been astonishingly generous down through the years. I thank you for that. Now I leave the studio and I'll view your work from the other side of the screen. I wish you continued success, but like the skibbering eagle, I'll be keeping an eye on you. <laughs> so we leave it there so. Okie doke. Good night and God bless. <laughs> and thank you very much, lads. Well, for well done, Dave.